It's Monday, May 8th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. A good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got four briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, we start in the state of Texas this morning. Some terrible news involving a shooting just north of Dallas. But also, there's this. A plane full of migrants was grounded because there were complaints that the illegals on the flight were put into handcuffs. And that was apparently cruel and degrading. I'll explain that story and why you should care. Second, we head to the states of California and Colorado who are exploring reparations programs for black Americans. And paying for those reparations might come from a new tax on white people. That's coming up. Third, uh, let me ask you a question. Of the top five apps that you can download on your cell phone, who do you think controls them? Well, the answer is China, largely. So I've got those details and why you should check your phone immediately. Later, we close out the podcast with some good news Your utility bill is probably going to go down starting this month. I'll tell you why. But before we get to that good news, let's get to our top story of the morning. It was a heartbreaking weekend in Texas. On Saturday, a man named Mauricio Garcia, who was a Hispanic man originally from Texas, he fired on a group of shoppers at a mall just outside of Dallas. We're still waiting to learn about the shooter's motivations, although I have seen some of the unconfirmed reports, and we're not going to talk about those until we confirm them. Regardless, on Sunday, someone used their vehicle to strike and kill eight people outside of a shelter for migrants in the city of Brownsville. No details on the motivation there either. We saw events over the weekend of another kind, certainly horrible, but journalists are struggling to explain it. In fact, a reporter from CNN named Rosa Flores called it, quote, difficult to describe in words, end quote. Now, what she was referring to are the thousands and thousands of people descending each day into El Paso. They're obviously illegal migrants. And the video that we are seeing, folks, that indescribable experience, at least according to the CNN reporter, that is involving thousands of illegals, say, walking down highways and roads, almost causing accidents. We've also got thousands more who are camped out on sidewalks. And yet thousands more still who are running from El Paso police and Border Patrol agents who are trying to arrest them. So to give you a sense of the growing crisis, the Democrat mayor of El Paso named Mr. Oscar Leeser confirmed over the weekend that he expects another 35,000 migrants to cross over later this week on top of the thousands who are already there. And that, ladies and gentlemen, brought Mayor Leeser to say this, quote, there is no light at the end of this tunnel. We are now preparing for the unknown, end quote. Well, as listeners know, this is happening in no small part because of the expiration of an immigration tool called Title 42, Right, that ends on Thursday at midnight. And as Mayor Leeser is correctly saying here, the border region should now be preparing for the unknown. Although, if we are to be accurate here, the entire country should start preparing for the unknown. And that's because this crisis is not going to be isolated to just the border. And let me give you an example of that. 
New York City's mayor, Eric Adams, announced late last week that he is going to begin shipping illegal migrants from his city to other cities and counties all throughout the state of New York. And that includes, ladies and gentlemen, the city of Orangeburg, which has a population of 4,468. But that number will rise by at least 340, as Mayor Adams has said that he is moving single male migrants to a hotel in Orangeburg. But Mayor Adams did this without the permission of the leaders of Orangeburg or the county that it sits in, which is Rockland County. In fact, County Supervisor Teresa Kenny said in a Facebook post that her county is, quote, not equipped to handle these men, end quote, labeling it passing of the buck, first by the federal government and now by New York City. Well, speaking of the federal government, the Biden administration has announced plans to send 1,500 troops to the border in response to this immigration crisis. Although I should say these troops aren't going to be doing much of anything at the border. At least not according to the Brigadier General Pat Ryder at Camp Lejeune. He said that his men and women in uniform will be going, quote, for 90 days to fill critical gaps like data entry and warehouse support until Customs and Border Protection can address these needs through contract personnel. So finally, there is one last thing that you need to know this morning regarding the federal government's response to this migration crisis. And it involves how the White House responded to a foreign government who was supposed to take back their citizens from our border, but they refused to accept the plane. All right, so here's the news. Late last week, the country of Colombia announced that it would refuse any flights from the United States carrying its citizens who tried to enter the U.S. unlawfully but were caught. All right, well, why? Why would they refuse these planes of their own citizens? Well, the Colombian government, which is led by a leftist president named Gustavo Petro, said that they were refusing flights because of the inhumane conditions and poor treatment of their citizens by the U.S. government. Now, specifically, the Petro administration was outraged by what they called, quote, the use of restrictive gear like handcuffs and footcuffs, even for women, end quote. So, in response to that allegation of inhumane treatment and refusal to accept the plane, the White House made a series of promises to fix the situation, although it's not clear what the promises were that they made. But the Colombian government said that those promises were enough to allow the flights to continue. Now, just to be clear, U.S. immigration authorities were cuffing these folks as part of what has been standard protocol for years. And that's because sometimes these illegals show up with fake or no documentation. So, yes, they are cuffed for safety reasons for a few hours as we fly them back home. Okay. With that, let me now leave behind the facts and data this morning and offer up my opinion and analysis on all of these developments. And first, let's talk about New York City's Mayor Eric Adams sending those illegal migrants to other cities without their approval. And let's actually remind ourselves of the brief that I gave you last Wednesday on May 3rd. Right? That is when Mayor Eric Adams accused the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, of targeting black mayors in America over this immigration crisis. So if you missed that brief, I would definitely encourage you to go back and listen to it when we are done today. But the bottom line is that Mayor Adams, who is black, accused Governor Abbott, who is white, of being a racist 
for sending illegal migrants to black-run cities like New York, Chicago, and Denver. And yet, as we're learning this morning, it is Mayor Adams who is sending illegals to places run by, well, white folks like Rockland County. And ladies and gentlemen, that confirms what I said last week. Mayor Adams wasn't and isn't earnest in his allegation of racism. Instead, he was just trying to shift blame away from the truth. And the truth is that his city has chosen to embrace sanctuary city policies. And those are turning out to be a magnet for illegal migrants. And that is a very expensive magnet at that. But I should note something else that I think is very important. He's now decided that other cities and counties have to be sanctuaries too. Now, they weren't, but they are now. And that's why I have said so often to folks uh, that, look, it is easy to poke fun at these Democrat mayors who are sort of reaping what they sowed. But the reality is that we are all going to pay for it. And that is exactly what is happening in Rockland this morning. All right. So the second observation that I would like to offer you is regarding this issue of a, the grounded flight, right? The flight from Texas with the illegals that was grounded because the government of Colombia refused to cooperate. So I want us to think about how this impacts America's standing in the world, right? And to do that, let's do a thought experiment, right? You are the president of the Central African Republic, and you're not sure if you want to support, say, the United States or China or Russia, because you know what? All those nations are courting you and other African countries these days. That's because they want your cobalt or your tin or your aluminum or maybe gold, Okay, well, what you're looking for in exchange is a very strong partner who will always stand with you in the face of adversity, whatever that ultimate adversity might be. So there you sit in the capital of Bangui, and over the weekend, you saw the White House meet the demands made by Colombia, which by all estimates is a weaker junior partner. And yet what you could have seen was this. The White House could have sent that plane down to Columbia anyway. In fact, escorted it with military jets. And that plane full of illegal migrants could have landed back on Colombian soil. And then you could have read a statement by the White House daring the government of Colombia to shoot down a commercial airliner with its own people, right? Or shoot down one of our U.S. Air Force jets. And guess what? The Colombian government would have stomped its feet as we landed our plane and our jets, unloaded their people, and then flown back home. Right? You could have seen that. So as a president of the Central African Republic in this thought experiment, as you are trying to decide which country to support as nations around the world are courting you, which nation are you likely going to choose when you see events like this? Well, based on my experience as a CIA officer, I'm going to tell you what most other countries choose, not America, right? And that's because countries don't generally choose weak partners. They just don't, not unless they have no other option. Just something that I offer to you, something to think about based on my time abroad. All right, with that, let's move on to our second brief this morning, and we leave Texas For the states of California and Colorado. So first, let's talk about California. On Saturday, a key task force in the Golden State voted on a series of policies and recommendations about racial reparations. 
Right, the task force, which, by the way, was sponsored by the state's government, proposed that the state pay out $1.2 million to every black resident that qualifies. Although, during the vote, some racial activists like Reverend Tony Pierce said that the $1.2 million per black person is not enough. In fact, he's demanding $200 million for each black resident. All right, let's dive into the issue this morning and these policies and the recommendations, all as reported by the L.A. Times, NPR and Fox News. All right. So over the past couple of years, the state of California has funded a task force to study reparations and what that might look like in the state. Well, two years later, the task force has come up with dozens of proposals for the state legislature to consider. And some of those things now include, uh, well, providing free college tuition for all qualifying black residents. Second, to create guaranteed income programs for black residents. Third, provide interest-free loans to black owners of businesses. Fourth, subsidize down payments and mortgage payments for black residents. And also repeal something called Proposition 209. That banned affirmative action back in 1996. And of course, there is the cash compensation for harm caused by either historical slavery or modern discrimination. So there are different categories for that discriminatory practice and the slavery. So, for example, you get $13,619 for health disparities. You get another $2,352 for impacts related to mass incarceration and over-policing. And for housing discrimination... You're going to get $3,366. Now, to be clear, the task force said that you don't have to actually prove that you were harmed. It is assumed that you were harmed so long as you were black in California from uh, from roughly 1971 to the year 2020, depending on the category of harm. Okay, so all of this raises a whole bunch of different questions, but perhaps the most pressing is the price tag. Right. Economists predict that reparations in California alone could run in excess of eight hundred million dollars. Right. That's the best guess. Now, to put that into comparison, that eight hundred million dollar price tag, the state's entire annual budget is three hundred million. All right. Well, regardless of the astronomical price tag, these recommendations for reparations are now going to the legislature. And starting July 1st, they will get the final report and then they will start debating about what to do next. Now, before I move on to my analysis and opinion, I'm going to offer you one more thing. So other states are considering doing this same thing, reparations, but in the face of huge price tags, they're coming up with another, well, creative way to raise money to fund them. And that creative way is to tax white people. So here is that as reported over the weekend by the New York Post. A Denver City Councilwoman named Candy Baca wants Colorado to make reparations payments. She likes that program, but she has wondered how to pay for it. Well, she told the business forum late last week that the best way to pay for these reparations is for white-owned businesses and taxpayers to pay an additional race-based tax. And then once that money is collected, it would in turn be given to minorities and minority-owned businesses as reparations. So as she said, quote, 
Capitalism was built on stolen land, stolen labor, and with stolen resources. And so you could be collecting those extra taxes from the white-led businesses all over the city and redistributing them to black and brown-owned businesses, end quote. Now, critics said that the plan is illegal under federal and state law, which is true. But Ms. Candy Kedabaka, who, by the way, is a Democrat socialist, just like Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, well, she said that this illegality issue, well, she doesn't particularly care. Quote, I will not be silenced by the far-right playbook, end quote. Okay, those are the facts and data this morning on racial reparations in California and beyond. Let me offer up this analysis and opinion. So back in 2022, just last year, the Pew Research Center conducted a study on what you all think about reparations, and 80% of you said, no, you would not support such a thing. But here's the deal, that might not matter, and here's why. During the COVID pandemic, Congress and Joe Biden passed something called the American Rescue Plan. It was a $1.9 trillion federal bailout of cities and counties and states all around America for all sorts of financial calamities due to the fact that the federal government shut down the nation because of COVID. Well, that $1.9 trillion number was so big in part because many states argued that their budget deficits were because of COVID. But here's the thing. That wasn't necessarily true. In Illinois, for instance, they hadn't balanced their budget in over 20 years. They were facing a financial crisis even before the COVID pandemic. All right, same is true in states like Oregon, which had and still has a massive unfunded pension obligation to deal with. Well, with the American Rescue Plan, they got a bailout. They were able to transfer their state debt to the federal government's debt, making their state problem the problem for everybody else to have to pay for. Which brings us back to the main point. California could agree to a reparations program knowing that they couldn't pay for it, but they would still do it, believing that at some point the federal government would likely step in and assume their debt. All it would take, ladies and gentlemen, is a White House and a Congress willing to make that deal. So is that the gamble being considered this morning in Sacramento? I don't know. But I suspect that they're thinking about it because if the feds bailed them out once, well, they might just do it again. We shall see. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. Now, most of you likely won't hear any ads over the next couple of minutes. So enjoy the ad-free experience for now, and we will be right back. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our briefs this morning with a pivot towards a mix of domestic and international affairs. And this brief starts off with a question, folks. Have you ever heard of the company or the app on your phone called Timu? Timu. Wow. You may have seen its ad during the Super Bowl. All right. It's an online marketplace accessed by an app on your phone that has become a big deal in fact, it passed Amazon and Walmart as the most popular app in the United States. But here's something that you might not know. It's a Chinese company. And the reason that you can find so many cheap products on that app is because all the products are made in China, often with child or slave labor. So here's what we know based on reporting from the Washington Post and CNN. So right now, four of the five most downloaded apps on phones in America 
belong to Chinese companies. Right, you've probably heard of one called TikTok. The other is a video editing app called CapCut. The third is called Shine. That's another app that sells uh, Chinese-made clothes to American buyers. But the biggest and most influential app of all is Timu. Now, interestingly, up until last month, Timu didn't mind the fact that, well, you could find out it was Chinese. In fact, in its About Me section on its website, it listed its parent company, which was PDD Holdings, which is a well-known Chinese firm. But now, if you go to Timu's website, it just says that it was founded in Boston, Massachusetts back in 2022, which is technically true. But to be very clear, the company is Chinese, which means that it is subject to Chinese law, including their surveillance and espionage laws. Right. In other words, they can upload or download whatever they want from or onto your phone. All right. And that means not just good deals that you came for. Oh, dear. All right. So there you have it. Four of the five most popular apps in America are Chinese. With that, let me now pivot to my analysis and opinion. And I want to lead with this fact. In 1965, America manufactured about 95% of its clothes right here in the U.S. Today, that number is around 2%. And these apps, ladies and gentlemen, are making sure that those numbers never change. Right? They want you to buy cheap Chinese products. Never mind, say, the quality. Right? Never mind the slave or child labor. And never mind what we've learned during the COVID pandemic, which is like, you know, we started running out of, say, the antibiotics or the medical gear that we needed, all because China restricted their access for themselves. Okay, so all that is true. But there's something else that we need to remember. There are 298 million smartphones in America right now. That's according to the firm Statista, right? And with the top apps being Chinese, right? That gives the Communist Party access to the overwhelming majority of America's homes and businesses. Now, remember, an increasing number of us have our phones connected to our computers, our home security networks, our electric vehicles, and our utility companies. So the big threat, at least in my view and my experience, is that in the event of a war with China, right, these 298 million devices can serve as sort of a, a Pearl Harbor-like sneak attack that nobody sees coming, right? Beijing can hijack those phones and potentially disrupt communication systems or get a backdoor into our utility companies or our banking networks using cyber attacks. So here's the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen, in the event that your phone has TikTok, CapCut, Shine, or Timu on it, erase it immediately because the good deals are not worth it. Trust me, I have seen what the Chinese can do with these devices and you do not want to be holding onto one of them if a bad day like war should arrive. I promise you will come to regret it. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. So enjoy this next break, and we will be right back. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. Well, we have had a lot of bad or frustrating news this morning, haven't we? So let's leave on a good note. And here it is. Your utility bill is likely going lower if it hasn't already. And here's why. Starting with something that you might not know. 
Most of America's electricity comes from natural gas, around 36 to 38 percent. Meanwhile, another 30 percent is fueled by other petroleum products like oil. And those two things, oil and natural gas, tend to actually come from the same wells. In fact, most of America's natural gas is a byproduct of drilling for oil. Well, according to an analysis done by Forbes magazine, we are on track to see a record amount of oil production this year in the United States, mostly from Texas, but also from the Gulf of Mexico. And all that oil means a lot of natural gas, too. In fact, according to the Wall Street Journal, drilling for gas alone is up by 11 rigs as compared to last year. And that means that we should see natural gas production up 3% as compared to last year. And that additional supply will likely drive down natural gas prices too, and along with it, your utility bill. So, there you have it. Good news to end this Monday morning. And you know what? Probably lots of bad news the rest of the week, so we are going to take it. So, there you have it. Some good news to end this Monday morning. And you know, we're going to take it. With a promise, in fact, that I'm going to be on the hunt for more good news for the rest of the week. Let's see if I can deliver. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John. Chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.